to the Upon This Rock podcast. My name is Max Thomas. Okay, we're continuing today with our Inigo Montoya's Princess Bride reference, if you haven't figured that out by now. But these are words that you use that I think the church uses that don't mean exactly what I think that we mean. And I think we need to at least think differently about or re-examine in some way, or maybe just change altogether. But So these are words that you use, the church uses, that I don't think they mean exactly what you think they mean. Today we're talking about the word revival. He didn't fall? Inconceivable. You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Now, if you grew up as I did, uh, just swimming in the waters of charismatic Christianity, uh, this is a word that is nearest and dearest to your heart. Um, And I'll just say uh, right up front um, that the charismatic church is still where I am, still my people, still my tribe, still the waters that I swim in. Um, But I I do think that we need to uh, re-examine some of the ways in which we think about this word or talk about this word. And I think we do... um, I think we do miss some of, uh, I think, what the the Bible envisions um, as far as what the work of the Spirit is. But we'll we'll unpack that here as we go. Um, So the word revival, it is, I think, the foundational word in, in some respects anyway, um, it's one of, I don't know if you can say it's the, it's one of the foundational words, I think, of the charismatic movement and, and idea and, and almost worldview. It is surely the goal of so much of what we do, so much of what we pray for, so much of what we hope for, so much of what we uh, plan and organize for. I mean, it is the great, um, and I know I actually don't mean this in a pejorative sense, but it is the great carrot at the end of the stick. Like it is the thing that we are striving for. Um, it is uh, the thing that we are pushing for and believing for in true, genuine faith. And and I'll say this also right up front. I still am. Whatever concept or idea of revival that you come to. In a general, general sense, it's the move of God in our midst. And and that, I think, so where I think some problems are is when we start to move beyond some of that in some ways. But in a general sense, we all believe in that, that there are moments and times and, and places and people and seasons where there's an extraordinary seemingly move of the Spirit in our midst. Um, and that is something I think that we can all uh, get behind and believe for and pray for and strive for. Um, but what I would like to talk about here in this episode is how at least in in the waters, again, that I swim in, not to keep using that metaphor, but um, when you start talking about revival culture, when you start talking about um, revivalism, when you start talking about revival as kind of the goal, then I think we start to actually have some more problems. Uh, but first, like we've kind of come 
to do in in these episodes uh, in the Inigo Montoya's is uh, we got to first try to def- define the word. So it's, again, as someone who's grown up in in the culture, um, I'd say this: first, in the scriptures, we have. Uh, the word as we have come to use it does not exist. Um, there isn't a story in the scriptures where uh, it speaks of it as a revival. Now, we read stories. I'm thinking of something like Acts 19 in Ephesus when they start burning books and statues and the word of God, it says, prevails and goes out to the entire region. We, we read that and say, that's revival, but the word doesn't actually, um, isn't used there. Like the word revival is not used there. Now you can say, well, yeah, hey, the, the word Trinity also doesn't exist in scripture. And so who cares? Yeah, it's not like a, it's not like a rock solid, hey, look at this. You can't refute this argument thing. But it is worth noting that we have a word um, that has become very, very central, very, very core, and very, very foundational to an entire movement, and not even that really an entire kind of ideology and worldview of spiritual practice and spirituality. And that word just doesn't, um, it doesn't exist in the scriptures in the way that we are talking about it and using it. I mean, the word revive does in the Psalms, revive my heart, things like that. But that's, that's not the way that the word revival is being used. Um, so we should just, I think, admit that up front and just say, that's interesting. Um, we, we shouldn't ignore that fact that that should matter at least somewhat, I would, I would think. I would hope. Um, if it doesn't, then maybe we have to have a whole other conversation, but it should matter a little bit that, hey, we have a, a, a culture, a cultural foundational stone, a cornerstone uh, to our culture that doesn't, that word actually doesn't take place. Now, what I think what most people mean by it, at least in, in kind of the charismatic um, circles that I grew up in, is revival is this um, this unique season in which, well, let me actually put it this way. I think you get two versions of it. One that says revival is this unique season where the Spirit is doing um, marvelous and extraordinary things, specifically things like healing, things like miracles, and all of this leading to mass, mass salvation. And, and most people in the circles that I grew up in, when you start talking about revival, you start talking uh, um, in terms of cities and regions and even countries coming under the sway of the gospel. And, and so it's just these huge vision, visions of whole cities coming um, uh, underneath the, the power of God thousands and millions getting saved. In, in some circles, you even hear them talk about like the billion soul harvest that they're believing that um, this end time revival is going to come and that a billion souls uh, are going to be saved, which even that phrase of souls being saved is a little bit unique. Um, but anyway, that kind of gets in, back into our heaven conversation from uh, the previous episode. But I digress. 
Um, so you have that camp, that it's this unique season that's usually preceded by prayer and fasting, um, but it's this season that can sneak up on, on you at any moment, um, that, that only certain people perceive. Um, I heard have heard for years and years that we need to live with an openness. Uh, it was never really put this way, but I think this is what they were trying to say. To live with an openness to the Spirit because the Spirit is going to come in a way that you do not think that He is going to come. He's going to come in a manner in which you do not think, at a time which you do not think, probably with a people in which you do not think. And you need spiritual eyes of discernment to to be able to see when it is and where it is and with whom it is that the Spirit is moving and doing um, and, and what is going on. And so there was always this kind of pressure to keep your eyes out for like, where is revival breaking out? Where is are, are things happening? Uh, but it's this season where signs, wonders, miracles uh, are taking place. But then you get kind of this other um, lane that says, hey, that world or that definition of revival is not just a season, that's normal life. That's everyday life. And what they will point to um, is they'll say, hey, Jesus is our example. Jesus is how we should all live our life. Jesus walked around everywhere and healed the sick. Jesus walked around anywhere, everywhere and cast out demons. Jesus saw 100% of people get healed 100% of the time, and so should you. And if you don't, we don't really know why, but that's not normal. Um, and you'll even get some some ministries. If you've been in the charismatic world long enough, you probably know uh, who, who it is I'm talking about. They will even say that um, praying for the sick and them not getting healed is not normal in Christianity. It's not supposed to be normal. It is to us but that's just our experience. What should be normal is that everyone gets healed, everyone gets saved, everyone gets encountered all the time because that's always what God wants to do. And so they take kind of the whole revival, mass salvation, healing, signs, wonders, you know, angelic visitations, prophecy, all the stuff of this, that they would associate with the Spirit and say that is supposed to be happening you know, crank that dial up to 10, and that's supposed to be happening all the time. Uh, that That's normal life. So those are, I think, are are the two streams in which it, um, or kind of two general definitions in which revival, that word, um, is how it's used. Uh, I would have a couple of thoughts that I think are worth thinking about, and this episode is a little bit different because it's, because there isn't a biblical word that we can go through and examine, these are just more kind of my my musings and ponderings and and thoughts on on this subject and and trying to tie in some uh, some scripture into this. So first, I would say is is this: if revival is our goal, if revival as we conceptualize it is our end um, and our aim, but the New Testament doesn't use that word, I think it does give us some stories. But we also have to remember, actually, pause what I was saying, and let me take say this, because I think it's important. I think we do, we do forget sometimes 
that the stories in Scripture, we read them, I think, sometimes as what was happening to everyone everywhere. But if we read carefully, that's not true. I mean, when Paul was healing people, it says that unusual signs were happening for Paul. Meaning, like, what you're about to read in this story was not happening other places. Um, Peter, it says the same thing, that, that unusual manifestations, you know, his shadow healing people. And you'll get these, you'll get little phrases like that from time to time. Specifically, I'm thinking in the book of Acts. And what that should actually indicate to, to us is, is the opposite, that this was not the norm, that the story that you're about to hear is not what was happening everywhere, to everyone at all times. Um, it is an unusual story of unusual things happening to a particular person or a few particular people. Um, but anyway, so what is, if, if revival is kind of our goal, our end, our aim, what, what is this, what is the scriptures? What, what ver, or what, um, what words do they use? What pictures does, do this, the biblical authors use, um, to describe what our aim should be or what our measuring stick should be? Because revival is, it's not just this thing that we hope for in many circles it's the measuring stick by which we we um, measure ourselves as successful or unsuccessful as spiritual or not spiritual as filled with the spirit or not filled with the spirit as with god or not with god and it quickly diverges and this is one of my problems with it it quickly diverges into just another form of tribalism because you you have to immediately start looking for who's in and who's out on the revival thing. And if you're not in on the revival thing, then you're probably part of the problem and not because revival is the solution. And if you're not part of the revival thing, then you're probably just part of dead religion. And that's what we want to get rid of. Right. And so we, um, we immediately dive, like just fall back into kind of this weird tribalism um, where, you can't get along with a lot of other people because everything is always just about revival. I was when I was thinking about this, what kept coming to my mind was actually a quote from Abraham Joshua Heschel, who's um, has this incredible book on the prophets. And in there, and I'm going to paraphrase kind of this longer blurb because I thought it probably wouldn't be the greatest to read. But in there, he has this quote where he says the things, and he's talking about actually in the context of Sodom and Gomorrah, he says the things that we deem as most important to God and to the Spirit, he deems as small issues. And what we deem as small issues, namely taking care of the poor, caring for the defenseless, the orphan, and the widow, God takes those things most seriously and treasonous against his name. I'm, again, I'm paraphrasing a, a longer section. And I think there's some something to that with the idea of revival as well. Meaning, I, I think we do largely put emphasis not on wrong things, but on things that the Bible does not emphasize as much. 
And in so doing, we actually miss the things that the Bible does emphasize. And I actually think that he's right about what those things are. Caring for the poor, the orphan, the widow, the vulnerable, the suffering. And what I find somewhat troubling about revival culture is, and this is not meant to be a broad, sweeping statement criticizing the whole movement by any means. Again, this is my people. I'm just trying to have an honest conversation about it. Is in our pursuit of signs and wonders and miracles and the billion soul harvest or cities being saved, we build our ministries around how do we facilitate that kind of thing. And we spend our money and we spend our time and we organize our people with that end goal in mind. When I think what the witness of the scripture is, is that what revival, if I want to just to borrow the word, what revival looks like is sitting with the orphan and the widow and the poor and helping them and caring for them that that is revival. We think of revival and we immediately think of masses. When the scripture thinks about the work of the Spirit, it does so most of the time in language of small that eventually does get big, but it really focuses on the small. You have prophets going to a single, a single widow, a single Gentile woman. You have Jesus giving us parable about a single sheep, about leaven, leavening the whole lump, that just a little bit, that the kingdom is like a seed planted in the ground, that in due time, it will become a mighty tree, but it's a small seed. It's like a mustard seed. My point here is I think, I think, in our pursuit of one thing, we have actually missed another thing. And I don't think missed entirely, but I think if we have certain percentages, I think our percentages are off. I think we... We need to tur- turn the, the, the dial of revivalism, not down in the sense that we don't believe for it, but down in the sense of this is the sole thing we're after. And I think we need to turn up the dial of how do we stop for the one? How do we fight injustice? How do we help the poor and the hurting and our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world who don't have what we have, who don't have the, the things that we do to help them, health care and education, food. I, I mean, I, I think there is, there is an emphasis. I, if I just wanted to put it very bluntly, which sometimes you can get in trouble for doing, but I would say this. I would say the Bible as a whole speaks more about the importance of caring for the poor and the orphan and the widow than it does for seeing signs and wonders and miracles. That if you made me choose, 
which one the Bible says is more important. I think it's actually unequivocally, clearly caring for the vulnerable and the hurting and the broken. That if you can only have one, that I think there actually is only one right answer, and it's the poor and the broken. It's not signs and wonders and miracles. And so my concern is in our revival culture is that we have, we have majored on the minor and minored on the major. And in some instances, like the stream that says this should just be normal life, we've done it to, to the uttermost. And this leads me to another point specifically for that camp. And that is I have had so many conversations so many conversations over the years, uh, primarily with young people, but not just with young people, who are in that revival culture. And this has been in all kinds of settings in all kinds of places around, around the country and really around the world, who have grown up or spent a significant amount of time in kind of the revival culture form of charismatic Pentecostalism. And they so many have told me this exact same thing. They say that it's tiring because it does eventually feel like it, this carrot on the end of a stick. It does eventually feel like this mirage because we're always trying to hype up the moment, because we're always trying to drum up the emotion, because we're always putting on the pressure that this is supposed to be normal and we're not experiencing it and therefore something is wrong and we need to cry out harder and pray more and fast more and use different worship songs and we need to add different lighting to the to the sanctuary so we have a certain mood or atmosphere um, or we need to bring in a certain person or we need to go to a certain place it becomes very wearisome and very tiring. And again, I'm not saying that we need to just, hey, abandon this whole thing and not have faith for it. Sometimes you have to have faith for something that takes years. And we have story after story in the, old, in the, the Bible that, that speaks to that. Abraham being obviously, I think, probably the most famous example, having to wait for his son. But there is something, I think, intrinsically unhealthy about a spirituality that is predicated on people that the whole image of it is built on this idea that you're not meeting the standard right now because you're not seeing the things that are supposed to be normal right now. And that is just tiresome to people. I mean, this goes back to one of my very first episodes um, where I talked about the phrase, we don't want church as usual. And this ties directly into that. If revival is the only viable option, and by revival we mean these extraordinary times and seasons or normal life of signs, wonders, and miracles, and casting out demons, and all of this kind of stuff, just like Jesus did, as if we forget the fact that Jesus was God in the flesh walking around. Um, We're not like Jesus because we're not God in the flesh walking around. Um, But it just keeps this, this burden on people's shoulders because how many Sundays can you show up and, and get up for that? How many conferences can you go and and get up for that? How many times uh, can you pray and fast and get up for that? And again, yes, you need to push through for faith. Yes, you need to continue to endure. Yes, you need to believe. 
But I think because we've turned the dials in um, unhealthy ways and we've turned the volume all the way up on kind of the revivalism dial, it becomes a weary, weary burden for people um, because they're, they're always looking on the horizon for what is coming next and they end up missing out on the moment that they're in. If your view is always on the horizon, you're, you're going to have a hard time seeing the person that's right in front of you. If your view is always on the next season, and that's a word that I've come to kind of not like, to be honest, just because I've heard it so many times in my years. It's a new season. It's another season. There's a new season coming. Anyway, that's just my own problems. But if it's our eyes are always on the next season, we're going to just fail to live properly in this one. We're going to fail to love our neighbor in this one. And here's what I think we need to adjust the dials, and I'll end with this. I think we need to adjust the dials because if we can see that caring for the poor and the vulnerable is actually the end goal, this is true and faithful and right religion, pure and undefiled religion. This is, as Jesus would say, how you love me, how you visit me, how you care for me, what you do to the least of these, how you will be judged, what you do to the least of these. If that's true, then it gives me permission to actually live by a different pace and live for the one in the two and just love them and care for them over time without having the burden that this person needs to get converted because the sign of revival is that this person is going to get converted. I am I'm free to just love them. I'm free to just serve them. I'm free to just be there with them without any pressure that this person needs to get healed, saved, delivered, signed, sealed, and delivered right now because that's the sign that the Spirit is moving. Instead of saying, what if the Spirit moves in ways other than what we conceptualize as revival, and me sitting down with the homeless person in the downtown area of my hometown and buying them lunch, and the conversation just is us shooting the breeze, but I feel that's like, what if that is revival and the Spirit breaking in? What if that's actually what the movement of the Spirit can look like and does look like and actually if that's the witness that what the scripture says is how the spirit moves um, more often i mean if you read i think the book of acts carefully you do get glimpses of they continued with fellowship and prayer and fasting and teaching and breaking of bread together and they didn't count their things as their own and they were generous and they took care of the poor and they fed the widows, and they fed the orphans, and they went to the farthest places, and they continued. And this is, this is the, the norm of the book of Acts, is that, not the shadow healing people. So revival, it's a word that I think we just need to adjust some of the dials and the volume on. So that we give people permission to see God in the everyday life and to see the Spirit moving in the everyday life and take some of the pressure off uh, for needing my entire city to get saved next week. And I want to believe for my city to get saved next week. I believe that God can show up in a moment, and we have seen that in history in places like Ephesus and Acts 19, where God breaks in in a moment. 
And so we can believe those things, but those things, those moments, I don't think can be the cornerstone of our spirituality and the thing that our spiritual communities strive for at their core, because I don't think that's where the Bible directs us to go. So with that, we will end our talk on revival. I uh, would love to hear some feedback on this. Hey, I want to do a Q&A um, episode soon. And so if you uh, have any questions, you can leave me a voicemail at the link below or send me an email at my email below. And I uh, would love to hear any questions you have so we can answer them and uh, have a good time. So thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time.